I go back to Deming's statement, which was always, you know, if you can't describe what you're doing as a process, you don't know what you're doing. But it doesn't mean if you can describe it as a process, you know what you're doing. A lot of times we describe what we have as a process and it doesn't work, right? And so it's the notion of like, at some point we have to be able to take the time to understand what we're trying to do and realize that the, a standardized formal way of approaching the same thing every time is not necessarily the right way, but it's about general principles and understanding the principles behind all of it as opposed to the process behind it. Welcome to the Circuit Breaker Podcast, where we challenge the status quo of innovation and new product development. We'll talk about tools and skills and methodologies used to build better products and make you a better consumer. I'm Bob Mesta, and I'm the co-founder of The Rewired Group, and I'm one of your co-hosts. And we're joined by Greg Engel, who is my co-founder and the chief Bob interpreter. Join us now as we trip the circuit and give you time to reset, reorganize, and recharge your brain to build better products. Hey, Bob. Hey, Greg. What's up, man? So today, we're going to talk about something that is actually hard to talk about, but it's a recent trend that I've been seeing or we've been seeing as we go through talking to customers. And what it is, is I call it the pendulum between process-driven product development and practice or craft or art or whatever word people use for that, you know, free flow design type thing. And, And there's always this pendulum of how companies react to that. And as things get tighter or fears of of economy get worse, I'm seeing more and more companies say, well, if we just put a tighter pra- a process in place, we will get the right results. We won't waste money. We won't all these things. So I want to just talk about that a little bit in, in, in our belief of you actually have to balance both. Going too far to one side of the pendulum on either side could be dangerous. Yep. And um, so I just want to talk about that a little bit today. Yep. Sure. I mean, so it's a, it's a big, big topic. So first, I just want to, if you could define for us what, when we say pro, a very heavy process-driven design practice, what yep. do we mean? Like, what what, what, what do we like see? Like wa- waterfall or stage gate are, are very, very process-oriented, right? They have they have very stringent kind of criteria. They, they have... Uh, in some cases, it's detailed out uh, what they're supposed to do in each phase. Um, and like, think of automotive, you think of of um, anything that's under regulatory reasons, they they all have to have a pretty substantial process to to follow because there's so many little details you have to follow. And so, so there's part of that where it's the process, but the interesting part is the process alone and doing those steps in the process don't guarantee success. <laughs> Well, and what I think what we see when we're doing this with people, like especially right now, is when they're getting more more into that process. I think everything you said is right. Is they also try to start putting big data in there, or they start putting things that are almost impossible for teams to get, or yeah. give you sell give you false hope yep. that you've done more work than you really have done. So we see that when 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 this pendulum starts swinging over to process, we see. Things get more rigid. Things get you know, like they, the the team has to do more work to get more to, uh, le- to less output in some cases. Well, to, yes. to get more certainty from the supply side, yes, which oftentimes is certainty on the wrongs. Uh, your your famous quote you like to say is yeah. complexity on the wrong side or simplicity, simplicity on the wrong side of complexity, complexity, right? Because we think we're making it simple for them. Hey, oh. get this data. Get this. Get this. Get this. But it's actually very complicated and it's very, it actually gives us false hope because we know 
as we get closer to launch, we also we we often make trade offs on those things. Yeah, and a lot of this for me roots back to some of the early work I did uh, in Japan uh, around process. And the interesting part to me is that difference between the way uh, I'll say uh, Jap- uh, the Japanese talked about process was these were the boundaries by which you have control. Mm-hmm. And so the boundaries of the process was basically say like you have responsibility and authority to change things inside that process and that it was more about continuous improvement and changing and realizing like you know there's always a way to make it better and but here's the boundaries right where when it got translated over to the US is it got back to best practices it got back to building a process that is this is the steps these are the ways to do it I don't want you to think Stop thinking and just do the process, and it and it works. And so, what happens is is that most people take the th- most people equate taking and making a process with not thinking, just follow the steps. And so that's where I think there's this big difference is that that at some point in time there's always got to be some deeper thinking inside the process, but most people forego that and just try to say if I do this step and this step and this step it'll guarantee success. And I th- I think what we're saying with the, with the process thing is. You need process. You you need you, you need, need steps. You need steps. People have to go through. You need metrics. People have to hit all right. those things. But when we try to make them so tight, when we try to take away the thinking, as you just said, yeah. or we try to think that every team thinks alike, or we'll get to the same results at the same times, yeah. isn't always right. That's right. I think the other thing is most of the time process assumes linearity, like step one, step two, step three, step four. But the reality is, like sometimes there's there's iteration and there's phases of work as opposed to steps of work. And so there's the kind of like divergent thinking and divergent prototypes versus convergent prototypes. And so there's different ways in which to kind of frame it, but it's like when you make it so rigid that it's a process only, that it's like when this, and it's it gets back to, if I do every step right, then the whole thing's right. And it's usually not that way when you're creating something new. And I, and I think that's what I want to hit on is, is if I swing that pendulum way too far over to process and think process is going to fix all my problems. Yes. The things I get are th- what we see is things like the process becomes a treadmill. You actually can't stop it because <laughs> yeah. it actually forces yes. you to push things through even though they didn't hit all the process steps because you don't have anything else going. That's correct because it's so cumbersome. It also creates things like burnout from your employees Yep, because they don't get the opportunity to think or they're not, they don't think they're using their skill sets or those types of things yep. if you get too heavily over. I think you also have the problem when you get too far over in the process is you get overconfident in your ability to hit the market, Yep. right? Because you think everybody did everything right, Yep. even though you've compromised the process along the way sometimes, it doesn't always equate to a success, Yep. right? But then if I take that and I take the same, we, we look through the same lens and we go over to, to the practice part or the art part or yeah. the the customer-centric part or whatever yeah, yeah. you want to call yeah. that where you give all the freedom and and you just put doesn't, people, doesn't work people. Either. It doesn't work either. Right. And, and and the reason why it doesn't work there is now people are discovering a lot, but they're not moving down a yeah. path to get something out. That's right. Right. So we have to balance them. And when we see pure practice places, and sometimes it works, right? There are companies out there, especially startups, that they are very creative people and they can make one product or one thing. Yep. But when they go to do it again, it's hard because they don't they didn't learn anything about how the process should work. How they how they made things. Yep. They learn creativity and when when that passion leaves, we often hear people talk about it in startup world, well it was a passion driven thing. Okay, I'm not 100% sure I believe that, but 
when you're creative and you have the creative thing, yes, it does become that. And you you rely on that. Yep. And you don't have the process to actually put push through something that you don't have the same passion around. Yep. Right. So that's the problem with just being in that practice part that we call it or that's craft right. art, whatever you want to call it. But you what we're saying is you need both sides. And you need you need the boundaries of the process, but you also need then the the freedom inside the process and the creativity inside the process to kind of connect dots and discover unknowns and and kind of move forward. And so there's that that aspect of kind of boundaries, creativity, and then what's the element of push? What's the element of making you make progress, which is time. And, and by time boxing or time walling, you literally force yourself to kind of make certain progress steps along the way. So what we talk about when we talk about this is we're, we're, what we're saying is, look, we know we need both. Yeah. And there's, you know, if you can make the pendulum straight in the middle, I'm not sure that works either. What you actually need is a process that allows flexibility mm-hmm. from both the team and the manager. And you mm-hmm. need strong managers to know when do I need to drive the team for more creativity or more practice? And when do I need to drive the team to more to more process? And there needs to be a sweet spot there. It's It can't be a one-size-fits-all for everything because if you're going into a brand new space... It takes more time. It takes more time. More it learning. takes more creativity. It takes yep. more... Uh, discovery it takes more thing more more time in some spots that than you would want yep so you have to understand those things and that's why we say look we can't make a one size fits all and that's why we we never go in and say hey this is the process what yeah. we say is we uncover what where where are you what do you have to do and then we try yep. to give them metrics to hit in certain stage gates yep. or different things but know that sometimes I do learnings in stage gate two when I'm still in stage gate one. Yep. Because the team needs to do that because of where they're at. Maybe it's a new product they're going after. Maybe it's a new a new category and they have to learn more. Yep. But by trying to make it so rigid where they can only learn this in this space or they can only learn that in that space, you're actually miss opportunities. Yes. So you have to give you have to have teams that have boundaries of both practice and process and know as a manager and as a company where do I need to push the gas? Yep. Where's and, the gas in the brake? And, and it gets back to knowns and none. If there's a lot of knowns and you know what to do, then the reality is like then more process might be useful. But when there's more unknowns, it's a different process. And so this is where I, I go back to every time we talk about a process, there's two things. There's capability and capacity. And and if I have some work and it's, it's let's say, at, at this skill level and I say, all right, it's going to take two hours to do this work. I don't have those people available. I have different people available where it's going to take them five hours to do the work. All of a sudden, like it changes the dynamic. And so what happens, we assume process has similar inputs, similar outputs, and similar capacity and capability. And you start to realize like at some point, you need to realize like the process is structure for boundaries, but ultimately we have to be able to do and get uh, make some progress in that step. But ultimately, to to prescribe every single step is almost uh, a fool's errand. So, I, and I think like what I what I want people to realize is we're not saying you have to have a gazillion processes. No, what we're saying is you have to know when to speed up something, when to slow something down, when to give flexibility, when to give rigidness. Yep, and all that comes from letting the teams do what they do, but then understanding the supply and demand at a level that allows you clarity to say, okay. In your example, if there's a lot of if there's a lot of knowns, yep. and I'm just doing a a, a line extension that yep. does, doesn't really, yep. not a lot of thought there. Yep, I might put different people on the team and tell them to go faster. Yes, exactly. Or if I'm if I'm thinking, hey, 
we think this is a line extension, but it's really a whole new thing for us. I might put more creativity people on it yep. and give them more time. Yep. So this is where we're talking about is the process ha- needs to have flexibility built into it. It can't just be a process that, hey, stage one takes three weeks. <laughs> stage two takes four weeks. Stage f- four takes three. Like that's not... R- it could work. I'm not saying it doesn't that's, work. That's I, I always say. That's the accounting's view of how to run a process, not not a process manager. Or because they think they're to, getting scale that way. That's right. They're yeah. trying to get scale when they're when the the scale's not possible in terms of it's the thinking again. We go back to the thinking as opposed to the execution. Execution is easy when they're known. It's the unknown part that makes it hard to execute. And then when you when you do this balance of practice and process, it takes a different type of manager. Yep. Because a lot of times we run into managers that, that are afraid to tell to tell teams or give teams clarity. Yes. They'll tell teams what to do. Yes. But they won't give clarity of why or they won't give clarity of how or they won't give clarity of what the what the end result should be. And we think managers should be spending more time on giving clarity. Yes. And less time on saying this is how you do it. Right. Right. The, the, the people should know how to do it. It's more like, well, here's where we need to get to. Here's why we need to get there. Right. Here's the resources that you have. Figure it out and give them give them the leeway to actually use their knowledge and their abilities to figure that out, as opposed to prescribing the way they should figure that out. So, as a executive or a, a manager of a team, of teams, teams yeah. you need to be thinking about is you're making these decisions on changing your process or you're making decisions on changing how you manage people. You need to stop and think about why are you doing it? Like I get reacting to economic conditions. We all have to do it. Yep. Right. But is really the answer putting more process in place and hoping you're going to get a better result when however many years your company's been in business that actually doesn't work. <laughs> it hasn't worked. And, and I look at things like, and I don't want to, call out particular names, but when I look at companies that do research for final projection of how a company will do or how uh, a, product a product will, will do. do. Yeah. La- a la- launch data. We've used that for, I don't know, 50, 60 years or whatever. Yeah. Long and, time. And every time we talk to a team about it, they're like, yeah, we have to put it through this or we have to put it through that. And we're like, okay, what are the criteria you're, you're using? Well, we're going to use this criteria. Is that the criteria that you're going to actually go with? Are you going to spend $2 million in advertising. No, yeah. we never spend $2 million in advertising. Well, then why are you putting that in? Why are you making that the assumption? It's like, well, we need to get it to be this level and, and we want to know where it is. And if we put $2 million in, then it's 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 like we know where it is. And then we'll, we're going to then uh, adjust it based on kind of like where we need it to be. And it it, it never matches. It never so, matches. And, that, and that's, what, that's what I'm kind of getting to is we do these things with process and we do these things with this type of stuff, knowing that it hasn't worked in the past. So can we try a different way? Can we not just react to the one factor? Can we actually look at the whole and say, okay, well, maybe if it is economic times are changing, we do have to get a little, little bit better on process. Maybe we nudge it up, but we don't go to the extreme yep. to making it where we can eliminate, we think we can eliminate all our people and we'll still, we'll still come up with a great, a great product because Probably not going to happen. Right. You need people to actually do the work. So the, the, the process doesn't do the work. That's right. People do the work. That's right. But I can't get, I can't hire 150 million people and say, hey, there's no process. Just come up with something great in the next three years because then I'm spending a lot of money. I probably won't get a result either. They're going to, they're going to do what they want to do and they're not going to get, they're not going to understand what the business needs and what the customer needs. Yeah. So I have to blend the two. Yep. 
Yep. I go back to Deming's statement, which was always, you know, if you can't describe what you're doing as a process, you don't know what you're doing. But it doesn't mean if you can describe it as a process, you know what you're doing. A lot of times we describe what we have as a process and it doesn't work, right? And so it's it's the notion of like at some point we have to be able to uh, take the time to understand what we're trying to do and realize that the, a, a standardized formal way of of approaching the same thing every time is not necessarily the right way, but it's about general principles and understanding the principles behind all of it as opposed to the process behind it. So I think I think this episode we're, we're really just trying to get people to think again about why do we do things? the balance between process and 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 but and, but really more practice more even. A higher level is anytime we put something in, yeah. why are we doing it? Yeah. What are we acting? What are we reacting to? And what are we hoping we're going to get out of it? And we and they need to unpack that because I think sometimes we make decisions, like I said, on on one factor. Yep. And we know one factor at a time, anything is usually <laughs> not good because it's not, not reproducible. I fix for that sure. one factor. I eliminate people. Yeah. Because I made the process so tight, we don't think yeah. we need as many people. Well, another. Something Mole else is going to yeah, pop yeah, up. Yep, yep, exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, I can't go after a new market because now I don't have the people to go after it. Exactly. That's a problem. Yep. And it's probably going to cost you more money to go hire more people yep. than it would if I just kept the people and understand that maybe I keep people or, or I lay off some and I keep the process, but I start doing more process-driven innovation stuff, which is the iterations, which is the line extensions, which is yep. the, the stuff that is... Faster to get through, theoretically, mm-hmm. not sure it is, but faster to get through theoretically, and then have a smaller teamwork on the breakthroughs where when the economy changes, I might be able to move people through. Yep, faster. But I have to understand the people I have and make sure I'm not sacrificing one for the other. I still need people to be able to do both. Yep. I need people that can follow process and I need people that can think. And I just need to be able to put them in the right places to win and give them, with well, the right direction. That's right. And give them the right context in order to kind of execute. Okay. So on this one, I think the homework's blurry. So if you have an idea, yeah. go for it. If you don't, I'll make something up. So what what I would say is this, is that what we're really trying to do is you need both process and practice. And so I might look at something where you have a process that's not working very well. What's the practice you need to actually hone and refine in order to make the process run better? And if you might have something that's a practice that actually doesn't have enough process around it, can you actually build some process around it to help you actually make the practice better? But to realize that they're, they go hand in hand and to realize that part of this is to make sure that we have enough latitude that it's not all process and that it's not all just practice, but it's the combination of the two. And they all have time to do it. Yep. Yep. As always, thanks for listening and hope to catch you on the next launch. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Circuit Breaker podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. If you know somebody who's stuck on the innovation treadmill, please share it. If you'd like to learn more information, visit us at therewiredgroup.com to find out how we work, how we can help, some resources, some books, some software. Join us next time as we trip the circuit breaker to help you recharge, re-energize, and refocus your new product development. Music